right. My people. I have been like giddy. Yeah, you have. Um, it's been way too, so Joel and I, you too, we had, we've done some online stuff. Can I just tell you, it is so great to look at faces and not that blue light in the back of the room. Because <laughs> um, that's what you have to teach to if you're yeah. teaching yeah. and none of you are here. That cursed blue light. <laughs> um, so I'm Vic. I realized I didn't introduce myself earlier when I, was, when I was just calling people out in the room. I'm the college pastor. Uh, to my left, uh, this is Chris Fitzgerald, who was one of you. Yeah. Not I'm too long. Too well. It was a while. It was like 15 years ago. It's been a minute. You're getting old, old, bro. I got four kids. So this is an alum. Uh, Chris followed a girl here. You can ask him that story later. Yeah. Uh, Joel also alum. Yes. UGA. Yes, of course. Played football. Yes. He'll sign autographs after. Yes. <laughs> go dogs. But we, uh, I. Uh, Where are you? What college did you go to? I, I'm an Auburn grad. I'm an anomaly. <laughs> Get it out of your system. <laughs> go ahead. Wow. Yeah. Way to go. <laughs> yes. We don't have time. Yes. We, uh, but I, if you're, if, if this, if you came in the room expecting like normal, this is normal. Uh, you, there are three of us, and we're gonna. Well, it's not usually normal that we're this far apart. That's true. We're usually a lot closer together. But it's kind of we, weirding me out. Uh, but for fine. several years, have been teaching through passages of scripture like this, um, and one of the one of the unique things about it, Joel and Chris and I have been talking about this. So we uh, basically want you to connect uh, to our church and to other college students, and there are three kind of three ways we do that. One is uh, we kind of think about circles. We have this circle that we're in right now, this large group worship gathering where we come together, we sing, we pray, uh, we give, we hear the Bible taught. Uh, that's one environment. And then the next circle would be what we, our small groups, which we call tribes. Uh, you'll hear more about those next week, uh, but they are small groups that gather to pray. Uh, we really believe uh, that prayer uh, changes us and aligns us with God's heart and just some of the stories. You're going to hear some stories hopefully next week of just, just things God has done since we've been doing our small groups uh, and tribes where they focus on prayer. And the, and the third circle, which is smaller than that, is what we call a huddle. Uh, it's two to four people who gather together weekly and dig into the scriptures, hold one another accountable, and like really just dig deep in the word. And we really believe every Christian should be in a gathering, all three of those gatherings, but the huddle is important, right? In fact, what you're about to see right here is just a huddle acted out in front of you. So um, anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, could be, it could be believers, it could be uh, non-believers. We just believe that when you are in the Word together, sorry. You're coming apart already. I'm rusty. Uh, <laughs> when you come together with people and speak the Word of God together, and that's what we're going to do tonight. We're just going to open up the Scripture. We're going to teach through it. But when you do that, God comes and He moves and He will work in your hearts because the scripture is alive and active. It's, it's sharper than a double-edged sword. So 
So that's what we hope you'll land this, this year and this semester. You'll be around people in the Word together. Yeah, and, and really that's, that's why it's important for you to register because we'll get you all the information about uh, those three kind of gatherings uh, if you will text Sunday to that number Pastor Carlos gave you. For some reason, I can't remember that. 319996. Thank you. And if you have a Bible or a phone with a Bible app or some new cool way I don't know about to have like a Bible in front of you, um, get it out because we're going to be in it and we're going to stay in it throughout this time. Because again, you're going to see kind of what this looks like to just dig in together to the text and see what the text has to say. Do you want me to go ahead and read yeah, let's our go. text? Let's do this. So we are in 1 Corinthians. Uh, it comes after Romans. And we are today in chapter 1, verse 18. We're going to be going through chapter 2, verse 5. Now, I'm going to read 17 of, of chapter 1 just to give a little context because we're starting with the word for, you know, and that always makes you think, well, what did he just say? And he starts 17 with the word for as well, but it'll just help you. So verse 17, he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Uh, verse 18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not go know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. So uh, if you were paying attention when Pastor Carlos was up here, you've heard the sermon already. Mm. And you just heard it again. Yeah. L love is boasting in God alone. So let, can we say that? Love is boasting in God alone. Or you'll get another chance later. <laughs> Love is boasting in God alone. And, and the centerpiece of what God has done for us, Paul uses the two-word phrase, Pastor Carlos has already used it, uh, twice in this passage. Christ crucified. Say that with me. Christ crucified. crucified. Say it again. Christ crucified. All right, this, you're going to have to participate. We don't want to lose you tonight, all right? <laughs> that's, that's what the text is saying. We, we 
boast in God and what he has done for us, primarily in the work of the cross. And so as we uh, jump into this passage here, guys, um, right out of the gate, Paul says uh, the word of the cross is foolish or folly to those who are perishing. Um, Go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's interesting. We talked about the context, right? And, and I, I started in 17 for a reason. If you were here last week in any form or watched online, we talked about what Paul's dealing with here, and he really deals with the next like two chapters after this too, is divisions in the church, right? We're dealing with divisions. They're, they're arguing over whose teacher is better, um, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's, he's out of that context, out of that issue he's trying to deal with. He's making this argument that he's making, but look at what he does. Out of this issue of divisions, Paul points to a division. Do you yeah. see it? Mm-hmm. He says, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing over here, but to us who are being saved over here, it is the power of God, right? So Paul, the Holy Spirit through Paul is, is showing us something yeah. here. He's, he's kind of pointing out, listen, guys, there is a division that matters. And it's not the teacher. It's not who you think is better. It's not any of the other things we're going to deal with in Corinthians. The division that matters is that there are those who are perishing. And there are those who are being saved. And Satan would not love nothing more than for you and us to be sidelined and distracted by these divisions and forget that we're at war, right? Like there's a battle raging for souls. And while people are arguing over these petty things, men and women are perishing for lack of hearing the gospel, right? And so the picture here is like it, the power is not in the messenger. The power is in the message, okay? And, and that's the, the picture he's painted here. In, in verse 18 by pointing to this and contrast, it, right? It sounds backwards because this whole passage will sound backwards to us if we really get, you know, outside of the church bubble and Christian, take our Christian ears off, if you will, if you've mm-hmm. grown up in the church. Um, but basically, to sum up what you're saying, Chris, is Paul is saying that the only thing that should divide us is the cross, there's a dividing line that the yeah. cross has, but at the same time, the cross is what actually unifies us. That's right. And so, it's, again, it sounds kind of backwards, but that's, that's what he's literally saying is the cross is what should divide us. That's the only thing that should separate us. And, um, and that's only because, as we'll see later, because God has chosen us to save us, to hear this, this folly uh, preached. So and- why does he call it folly? Well, because I I think in God's providence, right, he chose in his wisdom uh, to not allow the wisdom of a man to be the path to him. Mm -hmm. Because if if that were the path to God, then uh, only the wise, witty, smart, great speakers, they would get all the credit. Mm -hmm. And, and so what, what Paul is saying is God, God had a different plan. Uh, like, and the cross flips everything upside down, right? So what uh, if weakness all of a sudden becomes the conduit that, that strength flows through. And what seems foolish to the world is actually unbelievable wisdom. Um, uh, have you ever played this game with yourself? Have you ever said out loud what we actually believe? <laughs> yeah. Think about it. We believe that everybody on the planet came from two people. A snake walked into a garden, <laughs> talking, talked to me to eat a piece of fruit. The entire human race plunged into sin. And we rocked on like that. It was bad for years and years and years and years. 
And God decided to come, not, not as like this warrior, but as a baby to a, to a carpenter. Grew up, blue-collar dude, preached some, taught some, did a few miracles. Crucified in the most brutal way on a Roman cross. They put him in a borrowed tomb with a giant stone in front of it. Angels came, rolled the stone away. He walked out alive and then flew up into heaven like Superman where he's sitting on a throne waiting to come back. This is what you and I believe. That sounds foolish if it weren't true. So that's why he uses the word folly. Just in case you were trying to... Well, I mean, you could think about it and... Just say it out in our, loud. In our terms right now, if, if someone came to us and tried to convince us that the savior of the world was, had just been executed somewhere in Texas because he was completely <laughs> polarizing and, and, you know, and people didn't know what to do with him, uh, we'd be like, wait, what? You know, like, that, that doesn't make sense. Uh, and there's, there's, throughout history, uh, we've seen this. I, I stumbled upon this... Um, piece of graffiti um, that was done in Rome. This is after, you know, a, a couple hundred years after this um, letter was written to, to the Corinthians. But on this graffiti, someone had, you know, and now it sits in a museum. It's like literally like graffiti that someone did in Rome. And um, on it was this guy on a cross, but he had the head of a donkey and um, it was a body on a cross and a, a guy standing beside it and it said, uh, Alexa Manos worships his God. And that's the way people would view yeah. in his context and still today, right? We, we, we have plenty of people in our own circles that hear this message that we preach and they say, that sounds pretty stupid. Yeah. But let's talk for just, can I go down a rabbit hole if the end of the rabbit hole is Jesus? Like if he's at the end, is that okay? Christ crucified. Certainly, Christ okay. crucified. Okay. Get there? That's where we're getting, yeah. But I just, because it's in the text. So um, this next uh, part, verses 19 and 20, look at it. There's a quote that might seem kind of obscure because it's from Isaiah and not mm. a lot of us just could have that on, the, on our t-shirts, I guess. But like he says, <laughs> for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Okay. He's quoting from Isaiah. There's somebody else who quoted from this exact same passage in Isaiah, just mm. a, the, a, the verse before it, where he said, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Does that sound familiar? Anybody? Come on, Sunday school answer. Who said that? Who quoted that? Jesus. Jesus, All that's right. right. Thank you. That's you get it. a free book, something. So Jesus <laughs> quoted from this same section of scripture in the context of talking to the ones who were considered the wise of that age, the Pharisees and the scribes. And here's what was happening. This, this is why this matters. This is why it connects. The Pharisees were upset and divided over, get this, washing hands. Apparently the disciples were not doing it for 20 seconds. Okay? They weren't, it's a joke. They, they were not washing their hands properly before meals. And the Pharisees and the scribes were upset. And they said, why don't your disciples wash their hands properly? And then Jesus quotes this verse and talks about how, guys, listen, you're, you're missing it. It's not what goes into your body that makes you unclean because you just pooped that out. Yes, it's in the Bible. Go read it. I'm not being inappropriate. It's in the Bible. He says, you just, it just goes through you. It's what comes out of you that makes you unclean, guys, because that comes from the heart. So Jesus is pointing to the same issue. He's saying, listen, you're missing it. In your wisdom, you're thinking your external performance, what you can do, how wise you are, how well you wash your hands, um, how many good works, how often you go to church, whether or not you recycle, all these things 
right, will get you into heaven. And think about the wisdom of the world right now. Think about other world religions, whether it's five pillars or eight path, eight, eightfold path to enlightenment or whatever you want to look at. The, the wisdom of the rest of the world says it's on us. Yeah. So this folly that we preach is actually the only message that says what's true is that we can't do it. And, and it's as, it's as uh, old as the serpent in the garden, right? We, we, Paul, that's what Paul's saying to the Corinthians. He, he, because the Corinthians are captivated by uh, rhetoric mm -hmm. yeah. and who can make the, who can make the best argument. That, that's what Paul's just spent the first part of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 saying, look, you, you're picking sides. You know, we follow Apollos, and we like the way Paul teaches better. Mm -hmm. and, and, and like in Corinth, that was the way, that was cultural capital, right? If, if, you, could, if you were a great speaker, right, that's who you followed. And, and that it was actually almost a functional savior, right? And Paul is saying, he, he, he said to them, you have forgotten how you came to believe Christ crucified. And, and so that, that's why, and he says, and, and so let, let's pull the Corinthian church up and lay it next to our culture. So he says that uh, from God, the Jews expect miracles and the Greeks expect answers. Mm -hmm. he, here's a question we should ask ourselves. Are we in one of those categories where what we expect from God is a miracle? Man, God, if you'll just do this miraculous, yeah. if you'll just give me through O'Kim, for some of you, it's going to be a miracle. <laughs> you know who you are. And some of you want answers, right? God, you owe me an answer. Like, why am I having to sit in a room with a mask on? Like, God, why? We, the, we, some of us, we're not too far from the Greeks. And some of us aren't too far from the Jews because what, we have an expectation of God. You, you're going you're gonna to deal with me in this way, God, because this is what I need. And what Paul says is, no, that's not what you need. You need Christ crucified. And, and so a lot of this passage is self-examination for us because... We, a lot of times we'll read a text like this and go, man, those silly Corinthians. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like we've, our culture is not far removed, right? Human beings are, are the same century after century. It's, so he's looking at verse 22, if, if you're following along. It says, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. So the Jews... You know, we know their history and their past. They've, they've seen God do these great miracles in Exodus when he parts the Red Sea and they pass across and it defeats Pharaoh's great army. And that's what they're thinking, right? When they think Messiah, they think this conquering hero that will come and overthrow uh, the Romans who now um, are governing them. Uh, the Greeks seek wisdom. That's, uh, you know, true from history, what we know about them, how uh, wisdom played such a central role in their lives. Um, one part I was reading this week, it, uh, it was said that the Greeks' idea of the first characteristic of God was uh, apatheia or apathy, that God could not feel when it came to humans. Because if humans made God feel something, 
then they therefore had like control over him. And so the idea of a God who suffers on, be, you know, on behalf of humans, that, that's crazy. That's a contradiction of terms. And so you have the Jews on one side who say a crucified Messiah, you can't put those two words together. That's impossible to think that, that the conquering hero would himself be conquered. And then you can't put these two words together, a suffering God. That is, makes no sense to Greeks who, according to their wisdom, uh, could not find a way to logic that out. And so we have for both groups of people, again, that we can fall into uh, a contradiction of terms in our minds that says, how could God do it this way? And again, this is going to sound like we're kind of repeating ourselves because we are. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yes. But again, the, the point of this text and the point of tonight is Christ crucified. Like, that's what you need. When, you, when you've heard that, we can't say something else more convincing to, like, come over here and, like, mm-hmm. give you something over here, give you something over here. No, it's like, that's the central message. So, again, in this, in this thought about Jews demanding signs, like, Jesus had something to say about this, too, right? Because people demanded signs from him. Now, he did lots of signs and wonders. He, he had lots of miracles, lots of healings. Um, he, he did that. But when people started demanding them, you know what he said? That they were demanding signs from Jesus. He said, give us a sign. He said, this wicked generation seeks for a sign, but I will not give them a sign except the sign of Jonah. Yeah. Now, if any of you have like been to VBS or read any children's Bible, you know, you know what jo- Jonah was the prophet, ended up in a fish, right, for three days. Okay, the sign of Jonah is pointing to what? The cross. Jesus crucified in the tomb for three days. Like Jesus is saying the exact same thing. He said, you want a sign? I've got one for you. Mm-hmm. Me yeah. on the cross, right? Yeah. And so the answer to the question, right? So Jews seek a sign, Greeks seek wisdom, and Paul, like, this is Paul's brilliant rhetoric. Ready? Verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified. That's, that's the answer. Yep. Here, gonna... Here's the thing. Now, like, you, you can go, wait, how can God become one of us? How, how can the death of, a, of an itinerant preacher, carpenter, in ancient Jerusalem matter 2,000 years later? Like, those are, those are legitimate questions, and there's mystery and all of that, but the mystery does not change this fact. Something happened. Jesus was crucified. A real event in history happened. And Paul says that event is the answer to every question. Jesus Christ crucified. And he says, as we preach that, it's a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. And, and Joel's already touched on that. We're going to run out of time if we don't start moving here. But I was going to say one last thing on that part that, you know, essentially what the Jews and Greeks are both doing is they're trying to shape God into their own image, what they believe God should look like mm-hmm. for them to demand, you know, power or signs and wisdom. Like they're, they're trying to shape God into what they think God should look like. Now, here's what happens in the storyline of the Bible. And this to me is one of the proofs for the veracity of the Bible is that no man would actually make this story up. <laughs> Again, like what we were saying, like, have you heard our story can you like have you have you heard what this is actually saying and and to me that's like you don't make this up the way in which uh they say hey our king yeah he's hanging on a cross that's 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 it that's the tweet 
Oh, there it is. There it, it is. is. I was waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> that is the tweet. That's the tweet. Christ crucified. That's it. So Paul is reminding them. Remember, there's a problem in Corinth, mm-hmm. right? They they are entranced by this rhetoric and the speaking and the answers and the signs. And he says, "Remember, consider, brothers." Verse 26. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Can we just pause right there for a second and just thank you, Jesus, for that verse? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know about you. Like, I went to public school in Alabama. That's a great verse for me. (laughs) Seriously. You, you, in a room with this many people, this is what I know. There's somebody in here crippled with doubt. You're two days into the semester. You are crippled with anxiety and doubt. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, man, I don't belong here. I'm not wise. I'm not powerful. If you knew the family I came from, like this is your verse. Well, the cross is the great leveler, right? I mean, we all come to the cross with the same insurmountable sin, the same chasm between us and God, the same problem. And we can bring nothing to the table. So the cross forces like the richest king and the poorest peasant, the wisest sage and the simplest child, the Georgia bulldog and the Auburn war tiger, eagle, Uh, the the Republicans, Democrats, black, white, like all, anything you could think of to divide people, the cross brings us together as one. And whatever we like divide us is forgotten in the presence of the true power and true wisdom of Christ crucified, right? It's the great leveler. We all come to it. Which Joel mentioned earlier that it actually unifies us. Yes. Yeah. And this this is an exhibit A for him that says, look, uh, the way we know that Christ operates uh, the way he does is because look at you. You know, the Christ crucified message plays out in the way in which uh, he chooses people also. And so I'll just say this, that when you read through the entire Bible, you'll see the same God through the entire Bible. You'll see that this is his uh, modus operandi. This is the way in which he operates uh, this this God, right? Yeah, so if if you are uh, sitting here tonight thinking, man, I'm not ever going to measure up, you're in a great spot right now for Christ crucified Mm -hmm. to speak into your life and to give you meaning and purpose and value because that's the only place you can find it. What Paul is saying over and over again in this text and what the Bible says with a giant exclamation point is that we cannot live a full, whole, eternal life without God. We can't, it can't be done. We try a lot of different ways, but nothing does it. Nothing. Let's keep going. Yeah, because God did this this way for a reason. He tells yes. us why. Like this isn't oh, just this like is God's random. This is good. He chose what is foolish to shame the wise. Chose what is weak to shame the strong. Chose what is low and despised, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. Why? So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Because pride is really the source of all division when it comes down to it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. If you think about anything that divides people, the reason is that I'm, I'm boasting that I think what I think is better than what you think. Right. C.S. Lewis said in uh, Mere Christianity, I think it was Mere Christianity, that Just pride saying. was, was uh, the sin. Yeah. 
Like it's, it's the seed of every sin. Yeah. Like this self-centered, uh, I, I have the answer. Like my answer is better than yeah, yours. Yeah. Um, and, and what Paul is saying, God chose to operate this way. And he's been operating this way since uh, Genesis, right? Some of the people God picks in Genesis. Right. Yeah. Man. And if, like his disciples, that, that was a stellar right. crowd. Right. Right? But God, God operates that way so nobody can boast. You don't get the credit for this. That's right. And we'll get to this in the, sorry, jumping in front of you. But just, like I said, we'll get to this later in a few weeks maybe. But this, this conversation about divisions, Paul doesn't actually finish this until the end of chapter 3, right? <laughs> so he's talking about this for a few chapters. But I want you to see this. So look with me just real quick at chapter 3, verse 21. Because he's kind of like finishing up this argument. Okay, and uh, he doesn't say, okay, guys, therefore don't boast because it's bad or it's a sin, even though that's true. He says, look in verse 21 of chapter 3, so, so after all this, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, Mm -hmm. whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Like, what a promise, Mm -hmm. right? Like, don't boast because you already have everything. You've got it all. Like Jesus became to us everything, so we can't take credit for anything. And that's fantastic news. And just in case you get maybe the temptation to be proud about that, a few <laughs> verses later, he says, um, what do you have that you didn't receive? Yeah. Yeah. Right? You cannot swagger up to the cross, guys. Like it's a gift. That's a- so that's verse 30. And this is the verse that I kind of dwelled on as I worked through this passage this week right here. And because of him, mm-hmm. because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification, redemption. This is what God did in his wisdom. He brings us righteousness. He makes us justified in God. He sanctifies us. He makes us holy in God. He redeems us. He buys us back from our sin to make us in Christ so that it is written, let, no, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. There's Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 is what he's quoting there that yeah. says, let, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boast in this, mm-hmm. that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. So it just occurred to me while you were reading that passage, Pastor Carlos, uh, this morning and on, on the online service and, and earlier standing here said, uh, he, he referred to uh, the passage in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, love, you know, the love passage. And one of the things in that love does not boast. And he said, there is one exception. We just read the exception. I hope you didn't miss that. <laughs> the exception is let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Mm-hmm. But that passage in Jeremiah uh, when Jeremiah is saying, I, I am the Lord, what's, what's one of the things that describes him? Steadfast love. Love. Mm. Love is, right? That is the definition of love. A God who recklessly, don't, tweet, don't email me, 
about that use of that word. We can argue about that later. I know. From our perspective, it looks reckless, right? He comes after us, relentless. Let me use that word. It's good. Relentlessly. I don't have any notes. <laughs> relentlessly pursues us. And his love never fails. It is steadfast. It is everlasting. Everlasting. And we are to boast in that. Mm -hmm. That is what we are to boast in. This God, because of him, Paul says it right there, because of him, you are in Christ. The, the definition of wisdom, it doesn't matter what the world thinks about what we believe. You, you are in Christ. Righteousness is yours. Sanctification is yours. Redemption is yours. Yeah. So boast in that mm -hmm. Christ crucified. And you know, just looking here, starting in chapter 2, yeah. um, again, just because we don't want to run out of time here, but also out of that, just thinking, if anybody was in a habit temptation to boast in themselves, like Paul's the guy, yeah. right? I mean, he, he yeah. walks through his pedigree in Philippians 3. You can go read it. But he was, as far as like Jewish dudes go, he is like upper echelon. Like he's got the, the, the family history. He's got the training. He, I mean, he has it all, right? So if anybody could potentially like boast, he, he's got the degree. He could, he could destroy anyone in an argument. But what does he say? He says in chapter 2, verse 1, And I, when I came to you, brothers, I didn't come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided. Look at that. It was a choice. It wasn't, I couldn't think of anything better to say, so I just kept saying, Jesus, Jesus. No, like, I made a choice. I made a conscious, intentional decision to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear, much trembling. My speech, my message was not in plausible words of wisdom, but a demonstration of the spirit and power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men like him, but in the power of God. This is huge. And, and there's so much we can do here, and we'll see if we can do it quickly. But one thing I want to point out that is such an encouragement to me, and I hope it is to you, um, as someone who didn't go to seminary, like we, you don't need a seminary degree to preach the gospel, right? You don't need to have this like multiple degrees, this eloquence and wisdom to, to preach Christ crucified, okay? Some of you might be thinking like, I don't know the right arguments. I don't know the three circles of the Romans road. I don't have all these things memorized. I haven't been in enough classes. Like, he's like, no, I didn't. I, I just chose to know Christ and him crucified. That's all I know. And I want to tell a story, if I may. This is like classic dad moment here, but I just, I have to, to do this. So um, my, my kids, all of them are just relentless evangelists. It's so much fun to watch. Graham will always come back from a playground, back when playgrounds were things, and be like, hey, I met this kid. He didn't know Jesus, so I told him about it. Like, he's just bold as a lion, little Graham. And, um, and Asher, yesterday, I'm in the car with Asher, my nine-year-old, and he says, hey, Papa, um, I told our neighbor friend about Jesus, another nine-year-old kid. And I'm like, oh, yeah, buddy? Like, what'd you tell him? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> curious. Like, what'd you say? He said, well, I said, um, I told him that God made everything and that all the bad things that happened, like cuts and scraping bruises and stuff, like that's because of sin. And we've all sinned and we need Jesus and he needs Jesus. And if you want to follow Jesus, you got to take up your cross and uh, you need to tell other people about Jesus and whatever he says, you do it no matter what. It's pretty good. I was like, that's awesome, buddy. That's amazing. Like, what, what about, you know, like, oh, you should have used this verse. Like, no, that's amazing. Like, right? You don't need eloquence and wisdom. That you is just Christ crucified. Christ crucified. Yes. Yeah. And that's why Jesus says, become like a child. It's, it's that right. kind of childlike faith that yeah. says, that's it. There, there, is a, um, there, there is a sense, I'm afraid, in us sometimes where we want to try to produce yeah. 
what the Jews want and what the Greeks want, mm. right? Because we think, well, this can't be enough, Yeah. right? So we got we to, gotta, man, it'd be great if God did a miracle. Mm-hmm. It'd be great if I could answer that impossible question. And, and we get kind of cornered into a place where uh, if Paul could have let himself get pushed into that corner, but Paul says, no, 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 no. Those are, those are legitimate, but you're thinking about it the wrong way. Christ crucified mm. is the answer. And, and it's interesting to me, when he opens this section, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to who's, those who are being saved, you expect him to say the opposite of what we would think folly is, right? Or foolishness. We would expect Paul to say, it's the wisdom of God. But he doesn't. What does he say? Look at it. Do your head like this. What does he say? Verse 18. It is the, to us being saved, it is the power. Power is not displayed primarily through amazing signs and wonders. It is displayed through that, but not, it's not the primary way. The primary way power is displayed is through a crucified man robbed of all his dignity. Mm. Like a criminal. That, that power is the answer to the foolishness of the world. And you and I, don't, we don't have to make excuses and try to get God off the hook. Because you and I are living testimonies. We sang that tonight. Those three songs we sang, those cross-centered songs, that is our story. And we don't have to make excuses. We don't have to have the answers. We don't have to call down fire from heaven. We just have to say to our friends and our family, listen, I know it's crazy. But God is pursuing you, and his son Jesus died for you, crucified for you, dead, buried, and rose so that you could be truly human. That's that's the gospel. Christ crucified, that's our hope. So we're going to end tonight, we're going to pray together. And Chris is going to lead us through kind of three ways we're going to pray tonight as we leave. Chris, go ahead. Just to clarify, do you want me to like have them pray and then yes. back and forth? Are we, I'm just making sure we're good with that because that's what I was feeling. Just, yeah. All right, cool. So I love application. I love being able to say, okay, we just heard all that. Now what? Mm-hmm. And, and this yes, first so application is, is to, to pray. And real specifically, I'm just, I've just broken this down into kind of an inward and upward and an outward application. So let me give you the, the inward and we'll take a few minutes to just pray, okay? So from this text, from what we've talked about, I want you to pray in a group or by yourself, Lord, like where am I emptying the cross of its power? Like verse 17, what, what am I doing? Maybe putting myself in front of the cross or trying to, um, I don't know, say something, teach something besides just Christ crucified. Where am I doing that? Um, another thing, Lord, reveal pride in me. Where, where am I proud? Where do I need to repent of pride? Lord, where am I causing disunity? Remember, this is all out of uh, the context of division in the church. Lord, where is that happening? And then take time in your prayer also 
to do what Paul calls you to do. Remember your calling. Remember that, that you were called. If you're a follower of Christ tonight, God called you right, to himself in spite of yourself. So, Lord, where am I emptying the cross of his power? Lord, reveal pride in me. Where am I causing disunity? And then just take some time in this prayer time to remember your calling. Um, let's do that all in that time and tell you the next part. Let's go. Lord, we have nothing to boast in except you. And in fact, like Paul says elsewhere, we boast in our weakness. We, we boast in the fact that we bring nothing to the table so that only you can receive glory and honor and praise for anything good that happens in, around, or through us. Uh, we do ask you to reveal in us pride, reveal in us places that we are um, contrary to your word, where we are trying to take uh, maybe any of the limelight or any of the credit or pointing people to anything other than you, Jesus, crucified. Um, reveal that by your spirit in us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I mean, continue that throughout the week as you're meditating on what we've learned tonight. Continue those prayers. Ask God to reveal those things in you. That's inward, upward, towards God. Take some time just in the next minute or two to praise him as our source of all things. Remember what the, the verse that Joel specifically pointed out, like in him, because of God, in Christ became to us all those things, righteousness, sanctification. Um, he, all things are from him. We bring nothing to the table. Praise him as our source. Um, boast in him in your prayer. Just boast in God's greatness, in his glory. Praise him for who he is and thank him. Thank God for choosing us despite ourselves. Let's pray. This might be a good moment for us. If you're so moved to boast in one of God's character traits that's just matters to you. God, you are you are sovereign. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just call it out. If God, you're holy. God, you're faithful. Your steadfast love endures forever. Yeah. Yeah.
Oh God, if these past six months have shown us nothing but this, let it show us that we control nothing. <laughs> you are sovereign and in control over everything, and that is a very good thing. And our hope is in you. Our hope is not in a president or a vaccine or some veil or sense of normality. Our hope is in Christ crucified. That is all we need. I pray, Lord, would you um, remind us of that. Would you uh, help our hearts to believe what our heads know to be true. Um, You are enough. You are more than enough. You are sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. We boast in you and you alone, God. You alone are worthy of glory, honor, and praise, and we give it to you tonight in Jesus' name. All right, so inward, upward, and then outward. Um, Pray for others. Pray for Nepal. You know, we didn't get into this. I had a whole thought (laughs) related to that part in chapter 2 just about, um, you know, Paul's concern was that people wouldn't, be having their trust and their faith and their hope in him, but in Christ. And so often in missions, what happens is that the, the, the missionary, the one who brings the message, ends up being the one that people kind of put all their faith and trust in and who they depend on. And then if he leaves, that, that, that he's gone and they have nothing, right? So pray for our partnerships like in Nepal, that, that local leaders will be raised up pointing people to Christ and not to men who bring the message. That uh, Pray for other missionaries and workers around the world you know that they would point people to Christ, that they would raise up leaders to, to carry that message and there would be no dependence on, um, on just the foreign workers. Pray and ask if there's anyone that you need to be reconciled to, right? And we're talking about division here. Is there somebody that there's just, there's a division between you and them over who knows what it is. Let, ask God to reveal that to you and go. I mean, the scripture would say leave, like right now, and go deal right. with that. Like go be unified and, and to your brother, right? So do that, or sister. And then ask the Lord this week to give you someone, one person, to preach Christ crucified to. Okay? To give you the boldness and the opportunity. To, yeah. to present Christ crucified. Ask and I, for that. And I would, I would even say this. I, I would say, ask God before you get out of that seat to give you the name. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, it may be, the boldest thing you can do may be, like Pastor Carlos said, to ask that person, hey, come with me next week. Because yeah. I promise you, if you get them in this room, we're going to talk about Jesus. I will give you that promise. Yep. All right, so, so carry on. Yeah, let's, so yeah, let's just let's take another minute or two and just pray for those things. Pray for others around the world. Pray if there's somebody to be reconciled to and ask for that name, for someone that you can tell the message of Christ crucified to. Lord, again, we say 
all we have, all we need is you. Um, we uh, in ourselves can do nothing. Um, and at the same time, we rejoice in the truth from your word that in and through Christ, we can do all things through him who gives us strength. I pray for all of us this week as we go about our days. Would you give us your eyes for people to see needs around us and the ultimate need, the need for the message of Christ crucified. And I pray tonight, there may be someone in this room tonight who for the first time has heard and understood this message that maybe seemed folly when they walked in. And at this moment now is for the first time being seen as the wisdom and power of God. I ask for that, Lord. I ask that you would open eyes. Would you lift veils? Would you show what maybe was thought to be folly, to be wisdom and to be power? And for, for that person, if they're in the room, your, your inward response is repentance. Lord, I've, I've sinned against you and, and, and I, I need you, Lord Jesus. Your, your upward response is to ask the Lord to, to forgive you, to save you. Um, and your, your outward response response is to, to tell us, to tell others, to, to respond in baptism, in celebration of mm. what God has done. And, and we want to know about that. If, if tonight in this room for the first time, what you thought was folly, you've seen as power and wisdom. If you've seen Christ crucified and you say, that's, I want that. I want to follow him. Um, come tell us. For the rest of us, um, Lord, again, we just asked for your wisdom um, and for your grace this week. Uh, and, and give us a name, even now, someone that this week uh, we can present Christ crucified and nothing else. Um, Jesus, you're good. We need you. We love you. We give you praise tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Real quick, thank you for giving us an hour plus tonight. Um, would ask you to exit out the door you came in. And you can hang out like under the pavilion and outside as long as you want. If the cops come, just tell them, give them Pastor Carlos's number. Um, he's up there. He'll take all calls. Uh, guys, it's good to be in a room with you. Thank you. Yeah, go brag on Jesus. Love you guys.